Alright folks, hello. I don't know if you remember like two weeks ago, but anyway, much like 42, this episode had to have a little, no, a lot of post-production work done to it. Because um, as per last time this, this happened, uh, my audio in this record got porked. It, it, it got corrupted and shit, let's not... That's not Put it, whatever up, but anyway, look. Here's here's Blink, my episode, my episode. Here's Blink, the um, or as well as close to Blink, the original episode as I could recreate it with my audio redone and whatnot. You, you know the gist, okay? So you got a new gist um soon as well, because uh, just here's here's partly. All the small things say it ain't so. I will not go. It is blink one eight two. Um, uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I am a. I'm a little bit hazy today. I don't know what it is. Um, but this is Potter Who Cast, and this is episode. God, I, I actually, uh, I, I don't know what episode, <laughs> what number episode this is, because uh, whenever I upload them, wherever I number them. Um, I kind of lost track of the numbers. <laughs> kind of lost track of what they were. Like, you know, I think, I don't know. Well, while the number got sent back to time, it's it's back stuck in 1969, and we won't know unless there's a strange ontological paradox. Uh, we'll never know what, what episode this is. Exactly, exactly. Um, I have to listen back to, um, there's, there's probably like a Zune out there, or like an iPod Nano that has like 17 different songs that will let me know. Uh, exactly what number this is i don't know um i'm um i'm floundering as usual <laughs> um i am david and uh this is potter guest every week every spin-off tv show whatever who cares you look if you listen to all the episodes before you'll know what the, the whole thing this podcast is if you haven't it, it, we it's it's doctor who episode by episode like every other podcast but this time we have a difference which is that we're also doing canine class um Torch with Sarah Jane, though people do that as well. And we sometimes have fun special episodes. Um, but as I said, I'm David, and this week um, we have no Michelle. Uh, Michelle, I, I don't know what happened with Michelle. Um, I, I did get a weird file from earlier on that I haven't listened to yet, so I'll listen later on, see what's up. But, um, but joining me this week for the first time is... Hi, I'm C.C. McLaughlin. Uh, today, the C.C. stands for Crying Cherub, which is the subject of today's episode. <laughs> it, it is. It's uh, also the um, the subject of my mockbuster, um, I don't know, uh, Squint? Squint, yeah. Where the, the, ch- the crying cherubs are taking the professor and... Uh, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, Blink, um, and you'll miss it. Uh, <laughs> it uh, oh, God. It's a. Uh, it, it was broadcast on the ninth of June, two thousand seven. So uh, summer Saturdays, uh, hashtag summer Saturday. 
directed by Hayley MacDonald, who uh, she directed a film in 1996 called Beautiful Things that the production team loved, and they'd had her like earmarked since day one for the show. So uh, she has a really good job, I think, here as well. Mm-hmm. Um, she went on to direct the series nine uh, opening two-parter, The Magician's Apprentice and The Witch's Familiar. Which is the one with Daleks and Davros and his two weird eyes and whatnot. Anyway, also written by Stephen Moffat. Oh, Moffat. <laughs> uh, the genesis of this one, uh, we'll get to the genesis of this one soon. Genesis of the, the episode. Uh, because there's a wild, it's got like a wild journey from. Really interesting yeah. stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, anyway, the, the gist of this episode is that there's a lady called Sally who goes to a house and finds a message written for her behind some wallpaper and it turns out that the house is infested with weeping angels who are stone statues who if they touch you you go back in time and live out the rest of your life in the past uh, the doctor is trapped in 1969 because he and martha were touched by the angels and he needs sally's help to get him back to the present and she does that with the help of her friend's brother uh, larry and they end up saving the day and what have you and whatnot and um good episode yeah very good episode i think Good episode. Yeah, I've a very hot controversial take, but I'm I'm willing to make a stand too and say this is a a nice, good, fun, uh pretty entertaining episode of television. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is pretty good. I will say that, you know, you know, well, you know what? Good job, BBC. Good job. Um the genesis of this one is obviously to to the present day present day. Um up until this point, we're talking um 19th of April. 2022 mm-hmm. this is the last time they've adapted a previously written material for the show mm-hmm. I, I don't get why they don't do it more often because it's like all this like there's definitely a lot of stuff out there where they could just like yank it off whatever the comic page uh, editor's note wink wink uh, or like a book or whatever and put it on the screen it'd be fine you know mm-hmm. um, but it's based off a short story in one of the annuals um, it's an echo mm-hmm. short story uh, so I'll tell you what annual it is, uh, written by mm-hmm. Moffat, which doesn't have the angels in it, I don't think. It doesn't, no. Um, I don't know if you're aware, and this is a story I can't corroborate because some people say it happened and some people say it didn't. And uh, I'm going to be honest with you, I can't be bothered figuring out if it's true or not, but, you know, stories can also be more interesting than the truth, by the way. Um, apparently the original idea... Because obviously the uh, what we what we know for sure obviously is that like he was offered the Dalek two part of the season and had to say no because he was making Jekyll I think and then he's going to make up he's he's going to do like the Silence of the Library and Force of the Dead with the Angels is what I've read apparently in the, for this series and I couldn't get that to work and so I said look I have the story from this annual uh, let me put this kind of statue thing into the story and like you know Bob's your uncle there you go um but I couldn't really couldn't really cooperate that fully um but it's it's got this like weird kind of like stop start here's one story here's another story here's one story now we're gonna do -do kind of thing going for it you know Perhaps very much like, like Sally's adventure, it has a very non-linear origin, and maybe the starting point's a little unclear. Can't quite tell where it's yeah. going. <laughs> okay, <laughs> for a long time, I had this thing. It's like a thing that I think happens in like a lot of kind of stuff, where like people kind of generally accept that like 
you know something's the best of the best which is you know whatever but i think like thinking about it, i started to resent the fact that it was good like it took me a long time to come back around on this episode because i was i used to be like oh yeah look it's blink but like come on it's like you know that's like a really weird position to take you know on like media and art and stuff like that you know it's fucking weird <laughs> well it's it's, it, it's a natural urge i think people want to say you know i've i've rediscovered something i've found something in the back catalog people aren't appreciating and that's definitely the case sometimes uh and you you know as as moffat's career has aged on i think there's a lot of people kind of striving for any criticisms of his career any criticisms of his time you know being showrunner being involved in things uh and unfortunately this episode's kind of inarguable there, there's definitely a lot of prickly points that we can pick at oh, yes. uh but i i think it's it's almost the the essential doctor who episode like it just contains everything that the show is it's all in this episode it's a cipher i do think that's because you know, like people always say if you want to get to the doctor who like watch blink mm-hmm. i think that's kind of not the best idea because obviously it's like a doctor light episode you know and you're not gonna get that like full experience from watching this as opposed to watching like you know rose or whatever what? <laughs> <laughs> well i um, let, let me actually tell you how i got into doctor who um when i was like 13 or so i was homesick from school for like a week with a really really high fever And I just kind of kept falling in and out of sleep, just kept watching a lot of TV, whatever was on. And that was the week where I saw my first episode of Doctor Who, Love and Monsters. And that was the only episode of Who I saw for the next, like, 10 years. So I went around for a long time on this earth thinking, like, oh, yeah, Doctor Who, the show where every episode they ask, like, who's the Doctor? We never see him. That's the whole bit. We're always asking ourselves, the characters of the show, who, Doctor Who? <laughs> uh, and, and so because of that, I actually think I have a real fondness for Doctor Light episodes, and I really want to see more of them. Mm-hmm. It is very strange that we don't like. They kind of went in a style, like I guess because the role of the doctor came, it became like such a commitment. Like you know, you really have to work around double banking episodes, like like that kind of stuff. But like, mm-hmm. it is really strange that we don't really do them anymore because like you know you could really benefit from having an episode where you know, say you want to focus on your finale, you can have you know an episode where you know this one character is doing this thing and the doctor pops up. Like, I, don't, I guess like. I guess the Doctor Light stuff kind of went to spin-off media instead, because, like, you know, big finish of short trips. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, between the yearly ones, and, but between the normal ones, sorry, and, like, the yearly ones they kind of do. Um, I don't know if you know about them, actually, that, like, there's, like, this competition every year that Big Finish do, where, like, they invite people um, who haven't written for Big Finish, who have, like, maybe, like, they have some experience, but they don't, of, like, writing, like, spin-off stuff or like writing media or whatever you know what i mean but like they invite people like to submit a short story like where the doctor is like in the background of the story or like on the periphery or whatever um i feel like that's where doctor light stuff's gone um which is a bit strange but you know i guess as i said like the role of the doctor is much more like kind of central now than maybe it would have been before in terms of like you know the doctor has to be in every episode they have to be like the, the, the main focus of the episode um, um, you were talking about the, like 
this kind of like moments that kind of stand out for maybe the wrong reasons. And you, like, I think I've gone on record, but if, if not, I will go on record right now. Um, there's like some moments where in like Moffat things where it's like kind of like collar tugging kind of things, I guess. And the whole thing with like Billy Shipton and Sally in the parking garage where he's like, you know, hitting on her. That whole thing. It's like very like, like I guess it's played for comedy, but like, you know, like, come on, come on, Stephen. You know, it, it's like, it's maybe like the most preserved and amber 2000s moment in the episode. Like, especially this series doesn't like, it, it, it's like, in terms of series three, it like you know, it's it's not it's not been you know the most with the times, but like, it it's just it feels like I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I and I I was just gonna say so the with that scene in in particular, I I, I think it, it's it's just a shame because I I feel like Michael Obiara just has so much chemistry on screen with Carrie Mulligan. And so that scene kind of becomes very like passionate and interesting and you want the whole rest of the episode to hinge on them. And then she just lands with this this stick in the mud with Larry, who I think is just like a a very flat presence and this very, you know, jerky kind of early 2000s film nerd. It's also like I kind of feel like for the I kind of feel for the guy who plays Larry because, you know, obviously, you know, Carrie Mulligan, two years after this episode, uh, gets nominated for her first Oscar. Um, and he's stuck reprising his role for mobile games and BBC podcasts. Oh. <laughs> um, and speaking of Carrie Mulligan, she's very good in this. Um, very, very good. Yeah. Yeah. Really phenomenal. I really, really enjoyed her. Have not seen nearly as much of her work as I should have. Um, but it's pretty incredible that Doctor Who is able to get these actors who become very large and kind of become a little uh, incubation chamber for these careers and talents who, you know, get a showcase that can then launch them into something greater. Mm-hmm. And according to Moffat himself, um, I couldn't couldn't find anything else on this from anyone else, but according to him, they asked to be like the new companion at one point or something, like after this episode, which sounds like bullshit, but anyway. Um, or at least to come back and she was like uh, I'm okay guys uh, <laughs> you do you I'm going to go and have a successful career uh, get nominated for a few Oscars hang out with Lewin Davis you know very very wise one of the, the best moves she, she could have done I'm sure and I'm sure at the time it must have felt crazy to say no to a show that was getting just so much more and more popular with each episode coming out it's especially weird as well that she ends up starting like Never Let Me Go um, a couple of years later on with Andrew Garfield, who was, of course, in the series too, a couple of weeks before, and uh, it's it's all connected. It's all coming together. It's all connected. Um, yeah, it's 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 just one of those things where it's like it's such a great episode, you know, in the way it all unravels. The way it's like you know, building up layer upon layer. But the thing I really love is like the visual of the Easter egg. Mm-hmm. The way it's like. Yeah, like like the, the bits and pieces here and there, and like the way they're like, you know, the way the doctor is like, you know, how you can actually like hear and how you can finally like when you like finally realize the whole setup and that's the payoff. It's like so good. Yeah, it's one of the episodes that actually is about time travel and explores like the very literal uh, things one can do with a time machine, other than just showing up in the past and having a series of adventures in that place. 
I, I feel like so much of these series, they just take the TARDIS away from the Doctor very quickly. He just shows up somewhere and the TARDIS gets blown up in a different part of the spaceship or it gets like taken away uh, by by pirates or something. Uh, so it's nice to see one that's actually like a, a true time travel story and playing with the mechanics that that unlocks. Mm-hmm. It's wibbly wobbly, as he says. Very wibbly wobbly. Oh, the amount of iconic things in this episode. The the timey wimey machine, wibbly wobbly. I'll bet you 90% of the gifts posted on Tumblr come from this episode specifically. Speaking of iconic, I guess we should probably like talk about the angels themselves. Um, Obviously this like this, this is the new series of Dalek moments where like out of nowhere this new like juggernaut emerges. Um, But I know some people are kind of like some people don't like the fact that there are in more episodes after this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of agnostic towards the issue, although I do think the um, the most recent episode, the star of them, is kind of. Uh, I think. I, I think. I think when you like, I think when you bring them back, they they do a good job of like adding more to them to kind of develop them a bit further. But I think like the more you bring them back, the more you kind of end up falling back on just like oh, they're statues. Do they touch you? Do you go back in time and stuff? It's it's kind of like diminishing returns with them coming back so often, I guess. I think so, yeah. They, they, they're they much less... Um, oh, how to put it? I, I guess the, the Weeping Angels are just such good horror movie monsters. They work really well in a closed little box where the entire subject of the piece is just exploring like what they can do, how to beat them, all these mysteries around them. That I think when you try to return to the series, much like, a, you know, re- returning to any sort of horror movie, you, you have to find, like, a new pitch for how are these specific victims getting trapped in. Uh, oh, sorry, I thought, I thought my computer just died there. <laughs> um, but, 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 yeah, and, and so, like, the, the, the Weeping Angels also make no sense to some degree. Like, how on earth is a species ever going to arise that, like, cannot perceive itself or or others? I I think there's even the line in the show where they're, like, purely, like, theoretical beings. They just exist on, like, a metaphysical plane. And that's such a better hand wave for how they can be there than trying to say they come from, like, a specific planet. They do all these things. They show up with the Daleks and the Cybermen. Uh, They they don't work in that very, like, lore-y perspective. Lore-ish. Do you want to know, like, a huge, huge moment where they, like, completely dodged a bullet? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you ever saw the famous uh, beloved multi-award winning spin-off class in 2016 <laughs> that we all talk about to this day. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure I saw every episode at some point in, like, 2010, and then it just got, like, mind-wiped when the realities were shifted back. <laughs> uh, anyway, it, it, uh, it famously ends on like a cliffhanger where like the big bad for the series um, is zapped by a weeping angel and it didn't get a second series on the BBC for some kind of reason um, you know after making all the episodes and seeing how they turned out they decided you know the best time slot was like 2pm 2pm 2am on like BBC 3 on like a Monday um, which you know you could tell you why that happened <laughs> but the, the plan for seri- um, the series 2 of that was in part that they were going to go to like the planet of the Weeping Angels and see like Weeping Angel culture um, and stuff like that. And it's just like, oh, it's just like a complete, like, you know, huge, weird, pointless leap to take for the whole thing, I guess. Yeah, it's 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 like you you never want to know what is underneath 
Jason's mask, right? You, you just like always want that to, to be there and for him to just kind of be this like invisible person that you just have to fear. I think adding too much logic and lore, which is I think the problem of what who gets into as the series go, go, uh, goes on and on. Uh, that's just a very smart thing to avoid. Uh, take that, Class 2016. Uh, very <laughs> strange. Um, the second episode, like, <laughs> this is like a digression into a BBC3 TV show that is like long dead. But like, the second episode of Class is called The Coach with a Dragon Tattoo or something <laughs> like that. And it's like literally about a, co- a football coach who has a, an evil dragon tattoo <laughs> that comes alive and kills people. And it, <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing! They 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 just picked a bunch of like book and movie titles out of a hat, and we're like, okay, we have something about a coach. Let's see what we got here. Uh, great, sounds good. Oh, I don't know. We should probably talk as well, actually, about Louis Mahoney, who plays Old Billy Shipton, partly because that scene is in you know the line like it's the same rain. I think it's just like oh, I think it's, it's it's like a real kind of heartbreaker moment, like you know. Like Louis Mahoney, famous anti-racism activist uh, who died two years ago, actually, um, sounded like a real, really cool guy in real life. Uh, I think he's so well in that scene. You know, he's, he's bringing mm-hmm. so much warmth and like sorrow. You know, everything he could possibly bring to that role, he, he brings it. You know, I think that's maybe like the best performance in the episode. Like he really stands out just from like that one scene. You know. Yeah, it's it's really effective. I I, I know I mentioned earlier that this uh, episode is a cipher for like the entire show. Mm-hmm. And I definitely think that performance and that scene in particular really brings that point home. Because overall, this is a very kind episode compared to what a lot of Doctor Who can be. Uh, Nobody gets blown up. Nobody gets sent backwards into like an internal hell pit for the rest of their life. Even the kind of victims of the Weeping Angels who get attacked, they they get to live out the rest of their lives. And like the the ones we see, they clearly have like a, a pretty good time. Uh, and I think that's just a really interesting, nice perspective. Like, I, I think that's one of the things who does the best. It, it's always a very hopeful science fiction show uh, that is very, very core. Even when it's dealing with these very dark themes, these big, scary monsters, it finds room for a lot of kindness and a lot of humanity. And I think that show or the, this specific scene really embodies that. Mm hmm. Uh, it, could, like, it could have been so easy for this to have been like a very cynical, like dark and gloomy episode. Mm-hmm. And like even the doctor says, like you know, it's the kindest way of dying because you still get to have your life that you had before, just in the past. Um, it's a really kind of interesting, kind of almost kind of beautiful concept that like kind of gets lost as they go ahead. It kind of gets lost as they go ahead, and they kind of just like I don't know, um, you know. Well, I I think over time something in the, in Moffat's head shifts because I saw in an interview he did many years after the writing of this episode uh, that he he <laughs> so he said he didn't understand why he didn't kill Sally Sparrow at the end of all this. I think the original ending for the episode was going to be that Sally, like, gives the the folio of documents to the doctor, goes back into the store, and there's a weeping angel there waiting for her. She gets, like, sent out into the past, and Larry just finds, like, a, you know, empty, empty store or her shoes or something. And Moffat was just like, yeah, I just, I never understood why I didn't give it, like, a proper ending, why I didn't, like, punish her at the end of all this. And I think it just shows some sort of shift or disconnect within within him that he couldn't like sit well with this happy ending that he wrote. 
Yeah, it's a weird one as well because, like, I mean, like, I know you also said yourself that he, like, in addition to like, he couldn't figure out an ending at all. Mm-hmm. Apparently, and like, he had to like the thing he says that like, he told Mark Gay his basic and Gay was like, you know, I'll drop everything for two hours, okay? Look, email me what you have so far, and like, sit, I'll sit down, I'll figure this out for you. You know, like right now, I'll just go through all what you have, and I'll see if I can, you know, find an ending for you, or we can figure like an ending together. Um, apparently it's like two hours and going back and forth like email to email and figure that like that you know which you know, adds to my theory that Mark Gatiss is maybe the most important undersun figure of the whole revival of the show and that he needs to come back at some point yeah yeah probably true um, but like going back to what I think is a very cursed scene in the parking garage uh, the bit where like young Billy shifting like shit talks the TARDIS, saying like it's it's all wrong in terms of, like proportion and shit. Uh, the windows are wrong, you know. It's whatever. That's a fun scene. I think it's based on an in joke apparently because someone on Gallifrey Base, which is like a bit like the big Doctor Who form, mm-hmm. um, basically kept saying like <laughs> like you know it's too small, and the windows are all like wrong. How dare they do this to us? How dare they do this to us? <laughs> <laughs> and like apparently the production team saw this guy get posting this this stuff and he, they thought it was very funny, um, so they said like let's throw into an episode it's like ninja joke, just, just just for us, um, so we have a very online guy who would be weird about props to thank for that one, um, I I, I don't know it's it's just like it's how can you praise the Mona Lisa you know or like Susan Kane how can you praise like something that that's already been praised. Like ad nauseum, you know. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm. That's where I'm stuck. You know, it's like, like how 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 can you say more about something that's like definitively definitively been spoken about quite rightfully as well as like one of the highlights of the the entire you know, like fifty nine year run of the show. Well, I, I I always think it's interesting to revisit and try to break down why these really successful pieces of media uh, continue to work to this day. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, just like why, why do we keep revisiting this episode? I think it's the same reason why people keep revisiting Doctor Who. It's it's just very compelling. It does all the things that the show does right and continues to be very fascinating. And I think the story itself kind of has a very a uh, relatable setup. I think there's a lot of things in our lives where we kind of get hit uh, out of nowhere with a situation that totally changes us. And I think when Sally starts witnessing the people she knows just disappear and get sent back into the past randomly, I think there's a lot of things in life that we can kind of point to uh, a sudden illness, death, a new job that takes people away from us. I think that's ultimately a really relatable thing. Like when when Sally gets the letter from um the the Nightingale lady, uh whose name I'm forgetting, Kathy Nightingale. It, it, so it's so like on on the one hand, she just got like devastating news that her friend is you know now now eighty years in the past, never gonna see her again, already dead. But also that she had this really phenomenal life and that she had this huge family and all these things that never involved her at all. And I think, you know, as people get older, it's something that kind of happens. Friends just move away and you get really sad for that relationship ending, even though, you know, like, objectively, they're having a very good time. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, it's just, it's very good. It's a very good episode of television. That's all I can really say about it. Yeah. Oh, there's one thing. I, I know we mentioned the DVD extras earlier. I want to uh, just just briefly mention that again. 
So, so one of the reasons I think the DVD extra subplot works really, really well, it's a very good encapsulation of what Doctor Who was for a lot of fans at this time. I know for myself, certainly, Who was not something I saw like on TV very often. It wasn't really in our like video stores or, or local blockbuster. Um, so a lot of these recommendations got passed down through really weird guys you would meet at the video store or at the arcade or something. And they'd wrap you up in this whole world of like, oh, but there's there's these Easter eggs. There's this whole list of movies united by some director or production company you've never heard of. And I think that experience of like discovering something really exciting in a video store is like both how you engage with Doctor Who and like literally what happens in this episode. Uh, just like the image of Sally like talking to the doctor who's like literally in the television set. Like like what what's a better encapsulation of, of like being a fan of something and having this like fandom really mean something to you? Just like having a conversation with the man in, in your television set. Mm-hmm. 100%. I, I, I just I don't really have anything else to say about it, you know, beyond that, I suppose. Um, but I should probably say next time oh my god you've got a hand a hand in a jar a hand in jar in your bag well, that, 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 that's my hand i said i had a doctor detector um do you have anything cc that you want to plug while you're here Sure. So I can be found at ccmclaughlin.com. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Letterboxd, all under ccmclaughlin. Uh, if you're listening to this outside of space and time, whatever social media platform is popular in your era, I'm sure I'm on that as well. Uh, I write things. I am a tabletop game designer, so you can find some of my work on Join the Party, a podcast produced by Multitude. And other than that, I am wherever wherever a big waving blue box is found, you can be assured I'm there. Because you are, of course, from Gallifrey. Uh, what? 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 No, no, no. I'm not from Gallifrey. <laughs> How is that for 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 a, a, a David Tennant impression? Do you think they're going to get me as as Scrooge sometime soon? They will. They will, I think. I think you're going to be like the stand-in for when David Tennant is doing whatever bad British rom-com he's doing. Uh, shout out to like half his career in 2010s, I guess. But yeah, I think that's. I think that's about it. So thank you for being here. Um, of course, thank you. Thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, and uh, I will see everyone again next time um, with Michelle. Maybe I don't know. Um, by uh, yeah, lock the gates. Lock the gates. All right, that's good, folks. Right, that was good. Uh, nice talking to CC about Blink and stuff. Um, great conversation. I guess now is the time for me to play this file Michelle sent me. It arrived on a floppy disk for some reason. Uh, they're taking floppy disk off the App Store, by the way. So if you have it on your phone, don't delete it. Um, yeah, a little. Uh, yeah, okay, okay. Uh, so yeah, let's just. Just press play there. I think Blink is a really great episode. I mean, obviously, that's like the obvious thing to think. The obvious thing to be kink. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so. Okay, that was weird. Um, kind of felt like he was responding to himself. Uh, let me just play it again. Let's just to see where, you know. 
Oh, I didn't have it at the start. Okay, um, let me just put it back to the start and. Hello, hi. I'm stuck in 1963, which is pretty fun, all things considered, apart from all the racism. But listen, I have some thoughts on Blink, and I want to share those thoughts with Blink. Oh, my name's David, not Blink, but, uh, okay. Yeah, 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 I know, David. Um, okay, that's weird. It's almost like you can hear me or something. I don't know. Can, can you hear me? If you can hear me, you know, I'm not, if I, maybe if I start shit-talking Full Metal Alchemist or something... Well, okay, okay. Before you say that, let me just say, I think Blink is a really great episode. I mean, obviously, that's like the obvious thing to think. <laughs> More like the obvious thing to be kink. The obvious thing to be kink, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, I think okay, it's that, a really that great is, episode. That is weird. And, okay. uh, the reason why it works is because the Wicked Angels are very, very simple. Uh, there's Once you understand what their thing is, that they move when you're not looking, they don't add anything else to it, which is... Uh, <laughs> It's it's funny because that's kind of like uh, what Alien did with the Xenomorph. Because when Alien introduced the Xenomorph, they're like, okay, we real when the moment B realizes a threat is also the moment they also realize a threat, which is the moment when uh, the Alien bursts out of John Hurt. And after that, there's not much that gets added to it apart from I guess the whole like the blood is um, acidic stuff. But other than that, it it's what you get. What you see is what you get, and I think that's what makes the whole Weeping Angel stuff very, very fun. But also, it's not just the Weeping Angels that are part of the story, you know? There's a lot of, like, weird Back to the Future shenanigans where somebody gets sent back, and as a result, they, you know, they get to send a message to the future and all that, and the message shows up in the present. That kind of stuff that you don't see a lot in this episode. And I think that shows that the Weeping Angels are fun, but they're fun when combined with a very solid story, and they're fun when they're simple, which I personally don't think are two lessons that <laughs> the show takes on in the future. You can. I think I probably disagree with that. Um, I do think that uh, series five two part can be kind of interesting sometimes, and you know it kind of. Well, you think that, David, but my opinion is that. I would be content if the Weeping Angels that just didn't show up after this episode. I don't know about you, David. First of all, rude, because I was still talking. Um, second of all, I, I, I mean, you, you know how I feel about Village of the Angels. I just think that's a... It's a, it's a, it's a recurring issue. Um, okay. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know otherwise. But I do think, you know... There is potential, I guess. Okay. Yeah, well, that, that makes sense. I uh, I would be content if they didn't show up ever again. But I also think that, you know, it's fun to see different doctors reacting to them. The problem is that most of the time, their reactions are always, don't blink. You know, even up to like 11 and 12 and 13, all they say is just don't blink. It's like, come on, guys, come up with something else. Although, I do want to listen to... And maybe you have, David, so you can bring that up. I do want to listen to that um, Big Finish episode, uh, Sto Adventure, that's like the fifth Doctor and the Angels. I wondered if you would just say, don't blink, but the audio quality will be shittier because it's the old Doctor Who. Well, I don't know. I have, and your man of stars in the rise tonight, Matthew, uh, plays Leonardo da Vinci. It's a, it's a, it's a, uh, I, I never really understood if that was like a, if there was like a star in your, stars in your eyes blink joke or something. 
or if they said it can be good Leonardo da Vinci. I mean, he is good in the episode, I think. I don't know, it's been like a year since I listened to it. You weren't looking for an explanation. No, it's just, uh, okay. Um, if you can, yeah, continue. Anyway, Blink, who knew? Great episode. Oh, I'm, I'm getting told that I have to step out of the recording booth. All right, uh, I'll see you guys in 2022, which is, holy shit, 60 years from me. Oh, well. You'll be like a wrinkle. You'll be like <laughs> you'll be like William Hartnell, a little wrinkle, a little prune. Oh come on, David! It's not that bad. All right, all right, all right. Okay, I'll be going now. See you guys. Anyway, that's our show. Thank you for listening. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure the rubber band reality we live in will snap back, and next week Michelle will be back for Utopia. Um, hopefully there won't be any strange mishaps along the way. Um, but yeah, thank you again for listening. And um, as I said before, and I say, as I'll say again, lock the gates. Mark Marin, please don't sue.